0: Good morning. My name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries, a teaching ministry whose desire is to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. And today is May the 30th, and we find ourselves still in the book of Ephesians. Feel like I've been in Ephesians forever. Uh, (laughs) Just want to get it right, and I doubt I will. Uh, But I've just been studying it and listening to various points of view. and just trying to rightly divide it. Um, I'll be the first to tell you that I do not have all the answers. And, um, you know, this is uh, new for me in the sense that I'm just, uh, like I said, I'm trying to see what the Apostle Paul was saying and to who and to when and um, who he was addressing, what he meant when he said it from a right division uh, point of view. Um You know, some people ask me, you know, what do you mean by right division? Well, you know, the Bible says that we're to rightly divide the word of truth. Um, Obviously, if you can rightly divide it, you can wrongly divide it. The admonition is to rightly divide it. I mean, the Bible is divided, uh, I believe, into dispensations. Um, Dispensationalism is kind of out of vogue in the world today. Uh, especially in our world here in the United States. Everybody wants to be reformed, Calvinist. Um, You know, you've heard me study on that. I just, I don't believe that's the way to go. Uh, I've got studies on my website, duannespearman.org, that deal with that. But, um, you know, looking at the word of God, um, I'll show you a few things real quick. And this is just a reminder for some of you. This is what, let's see, right here. This is what should have happened. Um, you know, I mean, Abraham was called out, um, and given promises. Um, you know, Israel, Moses was given promises. David was given promises, um, and regarding a earthly kingdom, not a spiritual one, (laughs) an earthly kingdom. Um, and you know, Jesus came his earthly ministry to his 12 apostles. Uh, He went to the cross uh, preaching the gospel, the kingdom, repent and be baptized. And the 12 were preaching that same kingdom gospel. And that's what it's called. It's called the kingdom gospel. It was not a grace gospel. There was no crucifixion yet. Uh, Death, burial and resurrection had not happened yet. They were preaching a kingdom gospel And um, had the nation of Israel accepted it on the day of Pentecost, when it was officially offered, um, they would have rolled right into Daniel's 70th week, which would have culminated with the second coming of Christ and the establishment of the kingdom. Uh, That's what would have, could have, should have happened, but it didn't. Instead, they rejected it. As a result, uh, Israel began to diminish. They, their, their, uh, the branches, you know, being broken off. They rejected the offer of the kingdom, and God raised up the apostle Paul. So today, we are in the, we are in the mystery. Um, we are in the time of postponement. Uh, we are in the age of grace. And one day that will end with the rapture of the church. But in the meantime, Paul didn't preach the same thing that the 12 preached. Paul was post-resurrection. Paul preached the gospel of grace. Uh, Just simple belief in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, So that's where we are living right now. We are living in the postponement. And we are looking for the rapture when the church is removed. And then God will again begin to deal with the nation of Israel in Daniel's 70th week. So, excuse me, this is what should have happened. And this is what did happen. I mean, it's it's actually pretty simple. And that's what I mean by right division. So that's what I've been on the journey that that that's the journey that I've been on for the past three, four years. And some of you have been following along with me. Um, some have absolutely rejected it and looked at me like I'm a heretic and I'm, I'm okay with that. (laughs) Um, I believe that, uh, dispensationalism is the, is the proper lens through which to see the scriptures. And I believe that right division is the proper hermeneutic um, to interpret it. So last time we were together, we were looking at um, unity in the body of Christ, Ephesians 4.1, where Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling of the vocation wherewith you are called. And you need to do it with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing with one another in love. Uh, you need to endeavor, you need to work at keeping the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace with each other. Why? Because there's only one body, there's only one spirit, even as you're called, and one hope of your calling. There's only one Lord, there's only one faith, there's only one baptism. Our God and Father of all there's only one God and Father of all who's above all, through all, and in you all. And he says, but unto every one of us is given grace, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Uh, All of us are given grace, and what that's saying is all of us are given what we need in order to walk uh, in the calling that God has given to us. And then he goes into these controversial verses here, verse 8, wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, gave gifts to men. And again, the context is the gifts. The gifts that Christ gave. Uh, and then this parenthetical statement now that he ascended, but what was it that he first also descended in the lower parts of the earth? Again, Jesus didn't go to hell. Uh, Apostles' Creed says he went to hell. He didn't go to hell. The first person that's going to be thrown into hell is the Antichrist and the false prophet. And then 1,000 years later, the devil himself is going to be cast into hell, which is the lake of fire. So Jesus didn't go to hell. He ascended in the place of the dead, Sheol. Uh, he that descended is also the same as the one that ascended, far above all heavens, that he might fulfill all things. And, of course, that's our Lord Jesus Christ, at his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And as a result, he gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some gift, some pastors and some teachers. Those are the gifts that he's talking about. I mean, we got to keep the context here. He has given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ, okay? And then he says in verse 11, and some of those gifts are apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. That's where I'm picking up today, and they were for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So what does he mean there when he says, and he gave some apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers? Uh, These are the gifts that were given unto men. Now, some are quick to point out that these are not gifts, but positions that were given to administer The gifts. Um, And if you look at it by definition, and I obviously can't spell the word definition there, by definition, apostles laid the foundation. I always use my hand when I deal with students. Uh, The apostles are like the thumb. They are the foundation. Um, You know, that's uh, the thumb is what we use to pick things up. The, the, The thumb without the thumb, I mean, we wouldn't be able to grab tools. <laughs> we wouldn't be able to hold, hold a can or a bottle. I mean, the thumb is the foundation, and the apostles laid the foundation. The prophets are the ones that say, Thus saith the Lord, thou art the man David. They are the ones that uh, point out. Uh, they are the ones that foretold and forthtold. Um, And then the evangelist stands out above all the rest. Uh, Evangelist is those who go out with the gift of evangelism. And then the pastors, they're the ones that are married to the flock, the ring finger. And then the teachers go where other people can't regarding teaching the word. So by definition, apostles laid the foundation, prophets foretold and foretold. Evangelists had the gift of evangelism. Pastors oversaw the flock and teachers taught the word. Now, some people see pastors and teachers being one one gift or one uh, position, Um, you know, but uh, there's disagreement there. But the question is, at least for me, the more pressing question is, who were these people? Uh, Who were these people that were given these positions to administer these gifts? Is he referring to when he says apostles and prophets, is he referring to the Old Testament apostles and prophets? And bear in mind, the Old Testament began in Genesis, and which really the Old Testament didn't begin until God made the, the promise to Abraham. Um, but the Old Testament, as we know it, um, ran all the way through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we've talked about that. The New Testament couldn't be brought in until the crucifixion. Uh, So that little page in your Bible that says New Testament between Malachi and Matthew is not very accurate. Uh, The New Testament, the crucifixion had to happen in order for the sins that were committed under the Old Testament to be forgiven so that the new could be offered. So there's, there's a lot of confusion regarding that. But is he referring to those Old Testament prophets and apostles, which would include the 12? Is he referring to them? Are they the apostles that laid the foundation? Are they the prophets that foretold and foretold the word of God? Uh, to answer this, we need to remember what we studied in Ephesians two nineteen through 20. You Remember back in Ephesians 2, verse number 19? Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but your fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. He's referring to the Gentiles there. And you are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, you remember when we studied that, I said, this is either saying that the church, the body of Christ, was built upon the foundation that was laid by those Old Testament prophets, Daniel, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and the teachings of the apostles, which would be the 12, which is what most in the church today teach and believe, that the the church is built on the Old Testament prophets and apostles. Or it means that the church was built upon the foundation of some other prophets and apostles that's one of two meanings what what does he mean well <clears throat> in ephesians chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 it says clearly that the old testament apostles and prophets did not know what Paul knew regarding the mystery regarding the body of Christ. They did not see the postponement that we just talked about. They did not see the nation of Israel rejecting the offering of the kingdom. I mean, the apostles, you know, Jesus entirely, remember Jesus' entire earthly ministry was to the house of Israel. He did not minister with exceptions to Gentiles. And he told the 12, you don't minister to them either. Everything he said, you know, people who run around and say, well, say I'm a red letter Christian. Well, the red letters has nothing to do with the body of Christ. The red letters were to the nation of Israel. So again, that's, that's bad division to say I'm a red letter Christian. Uh, or that Christianity is found in the Gospels. Christianity is not found in the Gospels. Um, it was Judaism. It was the offering of the kingdom to the nation of Israel only. And any Gentile that was involved was proselytized into Judaism. It was not the gospel of grace that was being preached, uh, as was given to the apostle Paul. Again, that's right division. Um, but Ephesians one one through five clearly says that they didn't know the mystery, so how could we? How could it possibly built be built upon them? Because he says, "Grace be unto you and peace from our God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ." Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us into the adoption by Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will. Um, so, yeah, I, f- I feel like I'm looking at the wrong, is it chapter 2? No, it's not chapter 2. Is it chapter 3 that I'm looking for? There it is. So this should actually be three. (laughs) For this cause I, Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God that was given to me, in other words, it wasn't given to the Old Testament of prophets and apostles, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge of the mystery, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So, again, we're talking about some apostles and prophets here, but it's not the past prophets and apostles. Um, Paul mentioned this, too, in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, when he said, And God hath set some in the church, apostles, and secondarily prophets. So, are Old Testament prophets in the church? Are apostles in the church? Um, If they are truly indeed not the same, who are these prophets and apostles that Paul is talking about? Um, Whoever they are, it would seem they are the same ones he is speaking of here in Ephesians 4.11. And he gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Again, it would seem that he could not be talking about the same people. Uh, And if not, these were some new, I guess you could call them grace dispensational apostles and prophets. These were some apostles and prophets that were appointed during Paul's ministry, um, who, according to the text, were appointed until we all come to the unity of the faith. Now, I know for many, that's the first time you've ever heard that, um, were there apostles and prophets during the ministry of the early church? under the, the leadership of Paul, that is, the answer is obviously yes, there were. I mean, Paul's talking about them over and over again here in Ephesians, and he doesn't appear to be talking about Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel, okay? He doesn't appear to be talking about the 12 apostles. Um so it appears that these apostles and prophets were given to the early church until um, we could all come to the unity of the faith. Um, and again, when I say early church, I'm not talking about the Acts 2 kingdom church. I'm talking about the body of Christ. Um, so if that be the case... If that's the foundation of the argument, the next question is, are they still around today? These apostles, prophets, these new grace apostles and prophets are the ones that Paul's talking about still around today. Now, practically anybody, everybody I talk to, and even me and early in my ministry would say, yeah, sure. You know, uh, with exceptions, we would say, uh, at least on the conservative, baptistic side of the house, we would say, well, yeah, the apostles and prophets, those gifts, those offices have ceased with death of the original apostles and prophets. There's none today. There's there's many that will teach that. I was taught that in Bible college and in the seminary. But evangelist pastors and teachers are still among us. Or could it be that these offices, these positions to administer these gifts were only given for a period of time until we could all come to the unity of the faith and then they were all done away with? I'm of the opinion that these offices were discontinued um, after um, the completion of the Pauline epistles after the completion of what we call the New Testament canon. So that is my opinion, because if you look at the offices in the church that were appointed by the Apostle Paul, he doesn't mention apostles and prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists. He only mentions two, elders and deacons. That's all he mentions in Timothy and Titus. Elders and deacons. Elders in the old King James is translated as bishops. He doesn't mention these five gifts or these five positions to administer the gifts. He only mentions elders and deacons to be appointed in the church. So, that's my opinion. I believe that these five ministry gifts were given during the time of the early church. And I'm talking about the body of Christ, the, the church that followed Paul. Um, and they ministered the gifts until the completion and, or until they came to the unity of the faith. One writer says regarding this, Jesus gave gifts for a while, unto the body of Christ during its infancy to take it to full maturity. See, I'm not a whack job, okay? There, there's other people that, that see this, that saw this, that are dead and gone. Um, Jesus gave gifts for a while unto the body of Christ during its infa- infancy to take it to full maturity when the word of God was completed then that which is in part was done away with just like he said in 1 Corinthians. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse number 8 you you know this famous chapter charity never faileth but whether there be prophecies they will eventually fail whether there be tongues they'll stop they'll cease whether there be knowledge it'll vanish away and that's not talking about the the Knowledge, the accumulation of knowledge, that's talking about the gift of knowledge, knowing something you shouldn't otherwise know. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So that which is perfect has always been divisive. But it does make it clear that once it does come, the gifts are going to be done away with. Um now I've heard that that which is perfect is referring to the second coming of Christ. Um, and of course those who hold to the gifts, especially within charismatic circles, um, they're definitely going to cling to that um, or if because if they didn't, then if, if if that which is perfect is scripture, then naturally they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. So, and again, right division uh, mid acts uh, teachings is very difficult. I have found for those on the Pentecostal side, those who embrace the charis gifts, uh, they struggle the most with it because they have the most to lose. Um, I, I've found in my my journey here. So, some people say that which is perfect is referring to the second coming, which is Christ Himself. Some people say that which is perfect is the eternal state. Uh, They'll point out that that which is perfect is neuter. It's not male or female. So it can't be referring to Jesus, but it's referring to an eternal state. And I went through all this. I remember believing and teaching that it was Jesus I remember believing and teaching that it was referring to a neuter, neuter eternal state when you don't need these things anymore because Jesus will be living amongst us. And I've went through these are actually referring to the scriptures. Again, gender neutral, neuter, referring to the scriptures. Of course, two of those are still yet future because we haven't witnessed the second coming yet, and we certainly are not in the eternal state yet but one is passed. That's the scriptures, the, the closing of the canon, if you will. And there was a closing of the canon when Paul penned his last Pauline epistle before he was killed. So all of the scripture had been penned. Or it's referring to when the canon was officially recognized by the, quote, early church. I believe it's referring to when Paul finished his writings. Um. So the word complete there, the word perfect here, is the word complete. When that which is complete, if you look in the KJV+, Plus, that which is teleos, uh, and the word teleos is complete. So when that which is complete, when what's complete? I believe it's referring to the scriptures. Um, and it seems to be referring to the scriptures. Revelation 2, 22, 18 gives a foreboding warning. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God will add unto him the plagues written in this book. So it seems like, the, the, it doesn't seem like, but that verse seems to be indicating that the canon is complete. And I believe it was completed with the, the writings of the Apostle Paul. And, of course, there's disagreement all around regarding this. Uh, some contend that all of them ceased because Paul, and all of them referring to the five ministry gifts, all of them ceased because Paul says the only positions in the church today are elders and deacons to Titus and Timothy. They also point that the word "gave," and he gave, uh, apostles and decent is past tense, therefore transitory. And some will contend that, <clears throat> which is the, the group that I was raised with, the, only the first two have ceased, which is prophets and apostles. Once the entire revelation was completed, um, there was no longer any need for apostles. And prophets the foundation have already been laid and we don't need a, a foretelling anymore we don't need uh, that anymore because it's already been completed so again I mean it's it's a controversial uh, verse um, within the church today um, but I believe, that when he says, and he gave some apostles and prophets and some evangelists and pastors and teachers, those were a unique a set of apostles and and prophets that were during the, the, the church, during uh, Paul's earthly ministry, and that when that which is perfect came, that when the scriptures were completed, when Paul set down his pen, everything that the church needed to know was completed, those uh, offices ceased, those gifts that were given to men ceased. That's my opinion. Now you can disagree with that. And I may disagree with myself tomorrow, but I think that's what he's talking about there. So it took me 30 minutes to explain that. And I, and I hope you'll just slow down, take a look at it. There's, there's disagreement. And again, to me, right division answers the questions You know, if you look at all the various denominations in in our world today, the reason they are there is because they have a disagreement over the interpretation of the canon or the interpretation of Scripture. You know, the Roman Catholics believe, you know, they are the church. They're the only church. Peter was the first pope. How did they arrive at all that? By not rightly dividing the scriptures, by not separating themselves from Israel, by actually taking upon themselves Israel's promises. And so does most Protestant churches. They do the exact same thing. Uh, Covenant theology, Calvinistic theology, they are the elect, they are the chosen, they are taking what doesn't belong to them upon themselves. They're not rightly dividing Israel from the the body of Christ Um, in charismatic circles. You know, life, and and in most denominational circles today, life revolves around what happened in Acts 2. Uh, And yet I would submit to you, nothing Christian happened in Acts 2. Uh, The church was not born in Acts 2. Uh, The church was not the first person into the body of Christ was the Apostle Paul himself. So the church started with Paul. The church did not start in Acts 2. So, again, for some people, (laughs) their mind's on overload, you know, when I say things like that. But you go back and read um, some of the old writings, and I've got some studies up. The apostles were dispensational. (laughs) Um, You read some Darby, some... uh, Even some comments made by, um, you know, Schofield, uh, Matthew Henry, uh, J. Vernon um, McGee, Charles Sperry Schaefer, I think that's what his name was, uh, E. W. Bullinger, um, you know, all these guys uh, recognize a, a, a distinction between promises made to Israel and the church separated the two but today we have made it one in the same um and again i've i've studied that with you there was a compromise that took place in evangelicalism that brought us to where we are today and the confusion that we see in the church today but anyway this is uh this is the way <laughs> this is the way i believe that ephesians 4 11 should be understood so God bless you guys. Hope you enjoyed the study. Hope you have a great day. Hope you remember always that God loves you Wants best for you. He's working all things out for our good.